Part One, Chapter Eleven of the Idiot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. Part One, Chapter Eleven. The prince now left the room and shut himself up in his own chamber. Kolya followed him almost at once, anxious to do what he could to console him. The poor boy seemed to be already so attached to him that he could hardly leave him. "'You are quite right to go away,' he said. "'The row will rage there worse than ever now. And it's like this every day with us, and all through that Nastasia Filipovna.' "'You have so many sources of trouble here, Kolya,' said the prince. "'Yes, indeed, and it is all our own fault. But I have a great friend who is much worse off even than we are. Would you like to know him?' "'Yes, very much. Is he one of your schoolfellows?' "'Well, not exactly. I will tell you all about him some day. What do you think of Nastasia Filipovna? She is beautiful, isn't she?' I had never seen her before, though I had a great wish to do so. She fascinated me. I could forgive Gania if he were to marry her for love, but for money. Oh, dear, that is horrible. Yes, your brother does not attract me much. I am not surprised at that, after what you... But I do hate that way of looking at things because some fool or a rogue pretending to be a fool strikes a man that man is to be dishonoured for his whole life unless he wipes out the disgrace with blood or makes his assailant beg forgiveness on his knees i think that's so very absurd and tyrannical lermontov's bal masque is based on that idea a stupid and unnatural one in my opinion but he was hardly more than a child when he wrote it. I like your sister very much. Did you see how she spat in Gania's face? Varya is afraid of no one. But you did not follow her example, and yet I am sure it was not through cowardice. Here she comes. Speak of a wolf and you see his tail. I felt sure that she would come. She is very generous though of course she has her faults. Varya pounced upon her brother. This is not the place for you, said she. Go to father. Is he plaguing you, prince? Not in the least. On the contrary, he interests me. Scolding as usual, Varya. It's the worst thing about her. After all, I believe father may have started off with Rogozhin. No doubt he is sorry now. Perhaps I had better go and see what he is doing, added Kolya, running off. Thank God I have got mother away, and put her to bed without another scene. Gania is worried and ashamed, not without reason. What a spectacle! I have come to thank you once more, prince, and to ask you if you knew Nastasia Filipovna before. No, I have never known her. Then what did you mean, when you said straight out to her, that she was not really like that? You guessed right, I fancy. 
it is quite possible she was not herself at the moment though i cannot fathom her meaning evidently she meant to hurt and insult us i have heard curious tales about her before now but if she came to invite us to her house why did she behave so to my mother ptitsin knows her very well he says he could not understand her to-day with rogozhin too no one with a spark of self-respect could have talked like that in the house of her mother is extremely vexed on your account too that is nothing said the prince waving his hand but how meek she was when you spoke to her meek what do you mean you told her it was a shame for her to behave so and her manner changed at once she was like another person you have some influence over her prince added varia smiling a little the door opened at this point and in came gania most unexpectedly he was not in the least disconcerted to see varia there but he stood a moment at the door and then approached the prince quietly prince he said with feeling i was a blackguard forgive me his face gave evidence of suffering the prince was considerably amazed and did not reply at once oh come forgive me forgive me gania insisted rather impatiently if you like i'll kiss your hand there the prince was touched he took gania's hands and embraced him heartily while each kissed the other i never never thought you were like that said muishkin drawing a deep breath i thought you weren't capable of of what apologizing eh and where on earth did i get the idea that you were an idiot you always observe what other people pass by unnoticed one could talk sense to you but here is another to whom you should apologize said the prince pointing to varia no no they are all enemies i've tried them often enough believe me and gania turned his back on varia with these words but if i beg you to make it up said varia and you'll go to nastasia philipovna's this evening if you insist but judge for yourself can i go ought i to go but she is not that sort of woman i tell you said gania angrily she was only acting i know that i know that but what a part to play and think what she must take you for gania i know she kissed mother's hand and all that but she laughed at you all the same all that is not good enough for seventy-five thousand roubles my dear boy you are capable of honourable feelings still and that's why i am talking to you so oh do take care what you are doing don't you know yourself that it will end badly gania so saying and in a state of violent agitation varia left the room there they are all like that said gania laughing just as if i do not know all about it much better than they do he sat down with these words evidently intending to prolong his visit if you know it so well said the prince a little timidly 
why do you choose all this worry for the sake of the seventy-five thousand which you confess does not cover it i didn't mean that said gania but while we are upon the subject let me hear your opinion is all this worry worth seventy-five thousand or not certainly not of course and it would be a disgrace to marry so hm? a great disgrace oh well then you may know that i shall certainly do it now i shall certainly marry her i was not quite sure of myself before but now i am don't say a word i know what you want to tell me no i was only going to say that what surprises me most of all is your extraordinary confidence how so what in that nastasia philipovna will accept you and that the question is as good as settled and secondly that even if she did you would be able to pocket the money of course i know very little about it but that's my view when a man marries for money it often happens that the wife keeps the money in her own hands of course you don't know all but i assure you you needn't be afraid it won't be like that in our case there are circumstances said gania rather excitedly and as to her answer to me there's no doubt about that why should you suppose she will refuse me oh i only judge by what i see varvara ardalyanovna said just now oh she they don't know anything about it nastasia was only chaffing rogozhin i was alarmed at first but i have thought better of it now she was simply laughing at him she looks on me as a fool because i show that i want her money and doesn't realize that there are other men who would deceive her in far worse fashion i am not going to pretend anything and you'll see she'll marry me all right if she likes to live quietly so she shall but if she gives me any of her nonsense i shall leave her at once but i shall keep the money i'm not going to look a fool that's the first thing not to look a fool but nastasia philipovna seems to me such a sensible woman and as such why should she run blindly into this business that's what puzzles me so said the prince you don't know all you see i tell you there are things and besides i'm sure she is persuaded that i love her to distraction and i give you my word i have a strong suspicion that she loves me too in her own way of course she thinks she will be able to make a sort of slave of me all my life but i shall prepare a little surprise for her i don't know whether i ought to be confidential with you prince but i assure you you are the only decent fellow i have come across i have not spoken so sincerely as i am doing at this moment for years there are uncommonly few honest people about prince there isn't one honester than ptitsin he's the best of the lot are you laughing you don't know perhaps that blackguards like honest people and being one myself i like you why am i a blackguard tell me honestly now they all call me a blackguard because of her and i have got into the way of thinking myself one that is what is so bad about the business 
"'I, for one, shall never think you a blackguard again,' said the prince. "'I confess I had a poor opinion of you at first, but I have been so joyfully surprised about you just now. It's a good lesson for me. I shall never judge again without a thorough trial. I see now that you are not only not a blackguard, but are not even quite spoiled. I see that you are quite an ordinary man, not original in the least degree, but rather weak." Gania laughed sarcastically, but said nothing. The prince, seeing that he did not quite like the last remark, blushed, and was silent too. "'Has my father asked you for money?' asked Gania suddenly. "'No.' don't give it to him if he does fancy he was a decent respectable man once he was received in the best society he was not always the liar he is now of course wine is at the bottom of it all but he is a good deal worse than an innocent liar now do you know that he keeps a mistress i can't understand how mother is so long suffering did he tell you the story of the siege of Kars? Or perhaps the one about his grey horse that talked? He loves to enlarge on these absurd histories. And Gania burst into a fit of laughter. Suddenly he turned to the prince and asked, Why are you looking at me like that? I am surprised to see you laugh in that way like a child. You came to make friends with me again just now, and you said, I will kiss your hand if you like, just as a child would have said it. And then, all at once, you are talking of this mad project, of these seventy-five thousand roubles. It all seems so absurd and impossible. Well, what conclusion have you reached? That you are rushing madly into the undertaking, and that you would do well to think it over again. It is more than possible that Varvara Ardalionovna is right. Ah, now you begin to moralise. I know that I am only a child very well, replied Gania impatiently. That is proved by my having this conversation with you. It is not for money only, Prince, that I am rushing into this affair, he continued, hardly master of his words, so closely had his vanity been touched. If I reckoned on that, I should certainly be deceived, for I am still too weak in mind and character. I am obeying a passion, an impulse, perhaps, because I have but one aim, one that overmasters all else. You imagine that once I am in possession of these seventy-five thousand roubles, I shall rush to buy a carriage. No, I shall go on wearing the old overcoat I have worn for three years, and I shall give up my club. I shall follow the example of men who have made their fortunes. When Ptitsin was seventeen, he slept in the street. He sold penknives, and began with a kopeck. Now he has sixty thousand roubles, but to get them what has he not done? Well, I shall be spared such a hard beginning, and shall start with a little capital. In fifteen years people will say, Look, that's Ivolgin, the king of the Jews. You say that I have no originality. Now mark this, prince. 
there is nothing so offensive to a man of our time and race than to be told that he is wanting in originality that he is weak in character has no particular talent and is in short an ordinary person you have not even done me the honour of looking upon me as a rogue do you know i could have knocked you down for that just now you wounded me more cruelly than Yepanchin, who thinks me capable of selling him my wife observe it was a purely gratuitous idea on his part seeing there has never been any discussion of it between us this has exasperated me and i am determined to make a fortune i will do it once i am rich i shall be a genius an extremely original man one of the vilest and most hateful things connected with money is that it can buy even talent and will do so as long as the world lasts you will say that this is childish or romantic well that will be all the better for me but the thing shall be done i will carry it through he laughs most who laughs last why does yepanchin insult me simply because socially i am a nobody however enough for the present collier has put his nose in to tell us dinner is ready twice i'm dining out i shall come and talk to you now and then you shall be comfortable enough with us they are sure to make you one of the family i think you and i will either be great friends or enemies look here now supposing i had kissed your hand just now as i offered to do in all sincerity should i have hated you for it afterwards certainly but not always you would not have been able to keep it up and would have ended by forgiving me said the prince after a pause for reflection and with a pleasant smile oh how careful one has to be with you prince haven't you put a drop of poison in that remark now eh by the way <laughs> i forgot to ask was i right in believing that you were a good deal struck yourself with nastasia filipovna yes are you in love with her no and yet you flush up as red as a rosebud come it's all right i'm not going to laugh at you do you know she is a very virtuous woman believe it or not as you like you think she and totsky not a bit of it not a bit of it not for ever so long au revoir gania left the room in great good humour the prince stayed behind and meditated alone for a few minutes at length colia popped his head in once more i don't want any dinner thanks colia i had too good a lunch at general yepanchin's colia came into the room and gave the prince a note it was from the general and was carefully sealed up it was clear from Collier's face how painful it was to him to deliver the missive. The prince read it, rose, and took his hat. "'It's only a couple of yards,' said Collier, blushing. "'He's sitting there over his bottle. And how they can give him credit I cannot understand. Don't tell mother I brought you the note, prince. 
I have sworn not to do it a thousand times, but I'm always so sorry for him. Don't stand on ceremony. Give him some trifle and let that end it. Come along, Kolya. I want to see your father. I have an idea, said the prince. End of part one, chapter eleven. Recording by Martin Giessen.